It's time for Government Gone Wild, a no-holds-barred podcast dissecting the most controversial topics in the news right now. Edgy, fast-paced, and with a bit of humor, conservative libertarian host Kristen Tate digs beyond the headlines and beyond party politics to illuminate the issues people care about, the ones career politicians in D.C. just don't understand. Each week, Kristen hosts real people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives to engage in feisty debates and discussions. And now, your host, Kristen Tate. Hello, poppets. <laughs> Where does the saying, hello, poppets, come from anyway? I have no idea. Anywho, how are you guys doing this week? I hope you're doing wonderfully, as always. I'm coming at you live from Texas this week. God, I love Texas. It's true. Everything really is bigger here. And so are the coffees. So I am feeling jacked up on caffeine this morning. So if I sound like I'm high on crack, it's just because I've had like 10 cups of coffee and I literally feel like I'm going to have a cardiac arrest in a second. Well, this week we're talking about the Libertarian Party. I have a fantabulous guest. His name is Austin Peterson. You may remember him because he actually ran for president in 2016 as the Libertarian candidate, or as one of the Libertarian candidates. Uh, But before we get into this episode, I want to make sure that if you are listening right now, you have subscribed to my podcast because subscribing is not only free, but it's the only way you can make sure you don't miss future episodes. So if you aren't subscribed, pause this episode right now, get your little booty to iTunes and hit subscribe. It's easy and it's free for you cheapskates. So yeah, make sure you subscribe. Okay, cool. Moving on. I want to get to the Libertarian Party. Now, I'm obviously a libertarian. I mean, duh, my website is thelibertarianchick.com. But I can I consider myself a small L libertarian. What that means is that on most of the issues, I lean libertarian, but I'm not a card-carrying member of the LP. I have a lot of issues with the Libertarian Party, the way it's run, and just what I see as a lack of pragmatism. And what I mean by that is that the party members from what I have noticed, have been very unwilling to accept people into their tent who don't agree with every last platform of the party. You know, as purveyor of the Libertarian Chick, my website, I've gotten so much hate over the years from fellow Libertarians because they think I'm, quote, not Libertarian enough. I just can't win with them. When I post an article about government welfare, I'm a heartless neocon. When I express support for for a Republican like Ted Cruz or uh, Donald Trump, they say I'm bought out by the Republican Party. Then when I post something else about like legalizing marijuana, I get called a left-wing nutjob. People are always unhappy no matter what. And this kind of griping, I gotta say, it's become the norm in the libertarian community, at least the libertarian community online. It seems like the mindset is, if you don't agree with every single aspect of the party platform, then you're not a quote-unquote real libertarian. And I noticed this purism when I was actually blocked from the official libertarian party Facebook. Yes, they actually blocked me. The libertarian chick. Isn't that ironic? 
Um, they, they blocked me after I posted something on the page saying something nice about Herman Cain's tax plan. Remember that 999 tax plan? I don't like Herman Cain that much. I just thought there were some merits to his tax plan. But because I said something nice about a politician who wasn't a libertarian, the admins blocked me. Now, since that has happened, I have received an apology from a representative from the LP and they've unblocked me from the page, but I think the whole experience kind of sums up the big problem that the LP has on its hands. The exclusive nature of the group is largely why we as libertarians have been totally unable to affect major change. And I think the root of this problem is that we're principled people. You know, we have strong convictions. This is what led us to break out of the two-party system initially. But clinging on to these kind of convictions without allowing any dissent is what hinders us from getting stuff done. And it's our big downfall. Instead of having a full-blown libertarian hissy fit every time someone expresses opinions that don't align with the LP platform, maybe we should all try to focus on the areas of agreement so that we can actually grow the libertarian tent and get stuff done. I mean, my goodness. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but I actually think that the libertarians should start working with the Republicans because the Republican Party, in my opinion, is going to become increasingly libertarian as you have these older Republicans dying out and the millennial generation coming of age. You know, generally speaking, millennials couldn't care less about gay marriage, abortion. They want the government the hell out of their personal lives. But the millennials, at least the millennials who have a clue, also want the government the hell out of their fiscal matters. They don't want high taxes. They want the government off their backs when it comes to business. So if the Republicans and the Libertarians came together, put aside their differences, and focused on the issues where they agreed, they could create some real change. But unfortunately, Libertarians don't want to hear that. So they're sitting there off in their own little corner, bickering with each other while they continue to lose power and influence. My guest, Austin Peterson, who's going to join me in a second, he ran as a presidential candidate in the Libertarian presidential primaries. Yeah, that... that that exists. That's a thing. <laughs> he received uh, 8.1% of the vote, which is pretty impressive. Austin's a young guy. He's very well-spoken. And I think that uh, he has a bright future ahead of him. So I want to hear what he thinks about the LP. Uh, obviously, Gary Johnson went on to become the LP nominee in the general election. He only got a little over 3% of the vote, which was a huge bummer for, for the Libertarian Party. So we'll see what Austin thinks in terms of where the LP is heading. Austin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Kristen. Tell me about the campaign. I think everyone wants to know what it was like for you running for president as a libertarian. Just kind of give me the fast and dirty version of what that was like. Right. Well, you know, you're trying to be the lead cat in the cat parade so you can hurt all the cats down the street. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a tall order for anybody. I mean, it, I remember after I lost the nomination to Go Governor Johnson, the, like after the initial wave of disappointment felt, you know, came over me, I, I immediately felt a sense of relief and uh, was actually kind of happy because I didn't necessarily envy 
Governor Johnson. And just like I don't envy Donald Trump right now with everything he has to deal with, you know, no matter what your assessment is of his performance, it is not an easy job. Uh, and so I, I can imagine that, uh, you know, Governor Johnson really went through quite a ringer um, on his side of things. But running for myself, like in the process, I, I felt honestly, I felt fairly exhilarated. It was it was a, a, a really positive experience overall, despite all of the negative, uh, you know, campaigning that happened and, and, you know, ultimately losing just because in a sense, like I really felt called to service in a sense that there there really weren't any by the time that, you know, Rand Paul dropped out and it looked like Ted Cruz wouldn't win. There really weren't any candidates for the most part, who represented what I believe, which is a belief in, in limited government constitutionalism in, in the manner that um, that I thought was being adequately represented. It gave me like a, a very strong sense of what representative government is and should be because we had a strong grassroots campaign and it was all about the activists and empowering new leaders. Overall, I would say that it was a very positive experience and one that I think people are still talking about today. And for all the listeners out there, Austin and I have actually known each other from before he ran for president. I think like the libertarian slash conservative media world is a small and bizarre one where everyone kind of knows everyone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We're old friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think you and I pretty much agree on most of the issues. You know, I, I call myself a conservatarian. And it drives me crazy sometimes when I see people who I agree with on most of the issues refusing to work with other like-minded folks. And that scares me because I think libertarians make up a, a large and important part in free market politics. And I think if Republicans and libertarians kind of came together, they could win a lot of elections. They could beat the Democrats every time. So my question for you is, what made you want to run as a libertarian? And do you disagree with my my assessment there? I wouldn't disagree with your assessment. I mean, uh, the, it would be one thing if the libertarians didn't want to work with Republicans and, and, you know, were bashing conservatives all the time. If also I felt that they were equally offering up, uh, offering equal time to bashing Democrats and and social Democrats and and social justice warriors. But for the most part, I think that the it, it appeared during the the presidential campaign and the uh, after the primary, you know, we saw the vice presidential candidate come out on on MSNBC and vouch for Hillary, which made it seem as if there was sort of a a push for the left, which. You know, I can understand, you know, there are a lot of uh, left libertarians. There's a lot of liberals. As a matter of fact, you know, I do a lot of phone calls to supporters. You know, last week I spoke to a liberal Democrat who was like, you know, hey, I support you. So that's not to say, hmm. you know, I want to write off that approach. But I, I think that there was a sort of an uneven handedness uh, when it came to the type of outreach that was done. It was almost like the conservatives, like the libertarian party was trying to drive voters into the into the hands away trying to drive conservative voters away and you know i've never considered myself conservative in anything other than fiscal matters and, and, but i think that there are, are are a lot of there's a lot of issues where overlap happens with conservatives and republicans but everybody's everybody nowadays christian even libertarians i think are caught in a trap of what we call bifurcated thinking where it's like, you're either this or you're that, you're with us or you're against us. But I ran as a libertarian because initially ha having supported Rand Paul and seeing him you know, getting trounced by, by Trump, I thought, well, hey, you know, there's gonna be an opportunity here to support the, to, to have these disenfranchised conservatives come on board and join the, 
the libertarians and see how much we have in common. But, um, you know, in the end, we had to bake the cake and find out where Aleppo was. And, you know, <laughs> now we know where we're at. I think it takes someone who's kind of stubborn in their own opinions and knows exactly what they want to break out of the two-party system. And I think that's really admirable. However, that stubbornness causes libertarians to be purists. Like, I am a person in the media who's you know, spouting libertarian ideas. But when they hear me say one thing they don't agree with, they pile on me and they attack me. And when I see that kind of, you know, rhetoric being thrown around, it makes me worried about the libertarian party's future and their ability to grow their tent if they're not going to let anyone in who doesn't agree with every last pillar of the party. Do you see the same kind of overwhelming purism within the libertarian party? Or do you think that this is just some like loud people who don't represent the whole party. I, I do think it's a little bit of both. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've been on the brunt end of that. Like, you know, as, as an outspoken libertarian who agrees with probably 99% of the issues that the libertarian party puts out, um, I've still been on the receiving end of that for, you know, being pro-life, for example, uh, despite the fact that, you know, Ron Paul was their candidate in 88 and, and is probably the most well-known libertarian. He's, you know, he gets derided for that, and and so do I. So you know, there's there's been an attempt to push me out of the party and to say, you know, Austin, you're not a real libertarian because you know you don't want to kill the babies. In some sense, it's tactical, like right, like you have these people who, who are who live at the margins of society. Actually, Murray Rothbard correctly identified these people during his time in the Libertarian Party. He called them Luftmenschen, which which described me as airmen. I Meaning these are people who. Being counterculture is more important than going mainstream because if something goes mainstream, I, I call it hipstertarianism, where it's like it's not cool once it goes mainstream. We see this in American culture quite frequently. There's a contrarian streak, but it's it's reflexively contrarian. It's not intellectually contrarian. It's just a, a matter of if this is mainstream, well, it must be statist, right? It, and and so people, what they do is everybody get, when they when they have their group think challenged, Kristen, everybody. If, if there's a threat to the groupthink, then people, they want to, they have the purge mentality. And especially if somebody like myself comes along and wants to touch any of the sacred cows, like the non-aggression principle or abortion mm -hmm. or things mm -hmm. like that. And I'm, I mean, I'm, they call me the sacred cow slayer. I mean, I, I take, <laughs> you bring this sacred cow and I'm going to, I'm going to kill it and, and, you know, cut it up and burn it and sacrifice it on the altar of the non-aggression principle because... I'm, I'm willing to play devil's advocate, even with my own ideas. You have to be willing to change your mind if you're confronted with evidence that conflicts with your viewpoints. But libertarianism can sometimes get uh, tamped down into the world of dogma, where if this person said it or wrote it in a book, it must be true, uh, of course, unless it conflicts with my preordained worldview. Obviously, when it comes to social issues, the libertarian party aligns a little bit more with with the democratic party you know we want the government out of our personal lives fiscally they're more you know in line with the republicans now i see the government getting more and more involved in our pocketbooks i see things going in the wrong direction when it comes to fiscal matters in this country when it comes to social issues i think we're going in the right direction i don't see those issues as being as important right now when gay marriage was legalized i mean we still have work to do obviously with the drug wars and some of these other issues but why won't libertarians work with republicans when it comes to things like lowering taxes uh, you know, reforming the corporate tax code, issues that are clearly more important and pressing right now.
now. Why do you think that they continue to put a spotlight on these social issues? Well, first of all, let me just say, I, 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 I wish that the Democrats agreed with libertarians more on the social issues, because quite frankly, the, the, when it comes to the social issues, libertarians and social democrats actually have a different approach, where the social democrats want to force you to bake the cake, you know, they want to sure, ban sure. bigotry. The, the Democrats want to do things like legalize marriage and libertarians want to get government out of marriage. But Good when point. it comes yeah. right, but when it but when it comes to the the Republicans and the conservatives, it's all a question of how much you know statism you can tolerate. I mean, think about this. Think about all the libertarians for Trump. And many of these libertarians have have um, either uh, abandoned their their belief that a free market in labor is just as effective as la as a, an, a a market in commodities. Or they they're willing to put aside all of the you know the build the wall you know ban the you know ban the Muslims rhetoric just for the fact that they're going to get some tax reform perhaps or or get rid of Obamacare. So it's it is a matter of priorities. Here's the thing, Austin. If they didn't support Trump and and they you know voted third party, that's basically a vote for Hillary, isn't it? And that's the most statism you can take in your serial ever. I mean, how could you possibly? not vote for Trump when the alternative was Hillary. And this was such an important election. You know, I, I understand the the argument to be made for voting based on principle. And if we all think that we can't vote for third parties because they won't win elections, then we're always going to be stuck in the two-party system. I totally get that. But I think this election was so critical because if we had Hillary Clinton in office, that would really be the beginning of the end when it comes to things like the welfare state, the debt. I mean, I'm not saying Trump has been great. I'm actually very disappointed with a lot of the things he's doing. But I, as a libertarian, how can you possibly think that Hillary Clinton would be better than him mm, well it's not a matter of her being better it depends if you're if you're not familiar the socialists have this strategy that they've pushed many of them for a long time called the cloward piven strategy so if you're a libertarian anarchist then yeah you want the you want the hillary you want the biggest status you can get because they're going to be the ones who are going to finally destroy the the system that we have so we can hit the reset button now that's that's their opinion on things it's not mine i don't share it but if you actually go back to the founding fathers, actually, Alexander Hamilton um, had a really famous quote that I'm going to try and pull up for you. Um, an enemy. It's, it's all about at the head of government. So so the, the strategy could be not that you want to destroy you know, the government, but he his quote was, if we must have an enemy at the head of government, let it be one whom we can oppose and for whom we are not responsible, who will not involve our party in the disgrace of his foolish and bad measures. So the Republicans, in my opinion, seem to do much better when they're out of power than when they're in power, because then they, they not only they talk like libertarians, but they try to govern like libertarians. How many times, Kristen, did we see them push for a clean repeal of Obamacare when they didn't control the White House? So it so you can't you can't say necessarily that um, you know that the libertarians are are wrong just before voting third party and I and let me just ask you of course you said you know third party wasted votes a vote for Hillary here's a question if if you drink an RC cola is that the same thing as drinking a Pepsi no if, if you drink right obviously so it's the same with it's the same with third party votes if you vote for a third party you're not voting for Hillary because the problem with that logic is is that if you vote for Donald, if you vote for Jill Stein, is Jill Stein a vote for Donald Trump, right? So did my well, it Gary is in Johnson the sense that it's one less vote for for Hillary, and when you don't vote for Trump and you vote third party, that's one less vote for Trump. Yeah, but it implies that the vote was owned by someone in the first place, which I which I dispute. But um, 
but you know you, that that again that type of thinking is what gives us the sort of uh, you know the the shackles us to the sort of system that we have i mean people i think they don't feel free to vote because they're sort they're sort of bullied and hectored by people to vote for you know uh, you know, don't blame me. I voted for Kodos, right? I, you know, I, I, did, I voted for the lesser <laughs> evil, right? It's like, it, it just depends. And, and, and remember, everybody has their priorities. Some people do prioritize the social issues. Like if you're a gay man and you, and you want to get married, that's, that's probably going to be a strong issue to you. And, you know, if you're, you know, for example, if you want to, um, you know, if you, if you're a small business owner and you've got onerous taxes and corporate taxes, then that's going to be an issue for you. So I don't begrudge people for, for a vote when they vote on their principles. I really only begrudge people for a vote when they vote for something for that's because it's a lesser of two evils argument. That I really don't have any respect for. I think for. that's so much more practical, though. Look, I understand voting based on your principles. I totally get that. But if we don't have a strong economy, you can forget about human rights. I mean, like the most important factor in any stable society is a strong, thriving economy. And I truly believe that if we get a tax and spend Democrat in there, it's all over. You can forget about the human rights, about the gay marriage. It's not going to matter because no one's yeah. going to have money. But I it's tend an, to agree. Um, I know we're running out of time here. I want to get your take real quickly on Rand Paul. What did you think of his platform, his campaign? What do you think of him in general? Well, his platform is awesome. In general, I think he's awesome. I think the campaign was uh, poorly managed. And that, I think I was actually talking to my friend about this the other day, Jeffrey Carson. He's a good buddy of mine. Um, and we were discussing like the, the problems that the Rand Paul campaign faced. And, you know, if I ever run for office again, you know, how would I avoid some of these mistakes because libertarians are so prickly? But I think that probably and I know that this may sound insignificant to some people, but for me, it was a big deal. But when I actually went to Rand Paul's official statement, you know, that he was running for president in um, Kentucky and I've been a, a, Ron, a Ron Paul guy for years and a libertarian for years. I've been a grassroots activist for years. And I felt so detached from all the goings on that were happening there. And I saw all these people on stage who I didn't recognize. And, and th there was this desire to professionalize, to run a professional campaign, right, and to hire the best, you know, consultants that they could have. And, and yet they didn't do as well as, as his father did. And I think that the mistake was that they didn't engage with the grassroots the way mm -hmm. that Ron Paul did. And, and as a matter of fact, Ron Paul, who was there, who was on stage, wasn't even actually invited to come up and speak or to say anything. And, and I, I can't tell you, I mean, I think probably 75% of that room was there because of his father and wanted to hear his father speak for him. Absolutely. I mean, you know, my, my father is uh, a conservative, but, uh, you know, I get most of my, you know, ideas and things like that when growing up from him. And you know, there's nothing I'm pr more proud of in the world. I mean, I've warts and all for my father. And if I ever run for office again, you, you'd better bet that he's going to be standing right at my side. He's going to get to say a few words about me. But uh, but for, for Rand, I think that the mistake wasn't in – it's not the problem of the message, right? I think he wasn't the he wasn't a bad messenger. But I think that in, if you're going to run any kind of a libertarian campaign, you're going to have to rely on, on the grassroots. You're going to have to connect to those libertarians in a sense that in the sense that they want to be connected to and they want to feel like they're part of the campaign. It's sort of like, um, you know, a general in the military, in a sense, like mm -hmm. the general doesn't the general doesn't go on the front lines. But if the closer a general is to the front lines, the more impassioned, the more empowered 
and the more capable the the troops are to do to do the fight because they see their leadership willing to stand up for for them and to to get out amongst the troops and that's why general mattis is so popular is because he was a guy that was willing to go out there and and be among his his troops and inspire that kind of loyalty and I think that's probably where Rand missed the boat. Um, I, I mean, I hope he runs again. I've heard also that Justin Amash might run. That would I think be great. There might, yeah, yeah. I just I think that it's a good platform. Running for president is a great platform, even if the chances are slim for libertarian or or conservatarian candidates, because at a minimum it gives them the opportunity to stand on debate stages like I did, and to to preach the message of limited government. Do you think the Libertarian Party has? or not the Libertarian Party, do you think Libertarians have the best shot by running as Republicans? Or do you think that, you know, that's kind of disingenuous? Yes, I think I think in terms of just electoral success, of course, you know, I'd have to be I'd have to be, you know, so stupid or a liar to tell you otherwise, you know, the, the two party system is entrenched. But there are there are opportunities for libertarian candidates to make a change. It just depends on the local level, absolutely. But on the national level, you know, running a presidential campaign for the libertarian party. Listen, I'm not I'm not stupid. I knew what my chances were, uh, but I, I know I knew also that it was a very unique year, and the dissatisfaction with the two major parties was was at an all time high. So there was an opportunity there. Elections are about timing, right? It's all about timing and reading the electorate and, and understanding, you know, the voters in your either your community or your state or or in the country. And th that's really what it is, you know, not just to go out there and say, well, I'm going to stand up on stage and grandstand about principles. I mean, that that can take you so far. But if you're if you're running the right person at the right time in the right race, independents have won elections. You know, Jesse Ventura being an example, you know, Bernie Sanders is an independent, even though he ran as a Democrat. And, and there are independents out there who can who can do well. But yeah, if you're talking about just pure you know, art of war, electoral success, you know, the two major parties are going to offer you that. Um, but what they lack is is principles. You know, I would love to see more libertarians running as Republicans because my little dream would be to have the Republican Party be transformed, you know, by millennials and by this new younger generation into more of a libertarian party. And I actually think that's possible as the older folks and, you know, the Bible thumpers start to die off. I think the two <laughs> parties can kind of merge and make this cool, like more libertarian leaning party that can actually win elections and really gain power. So yeah. well, it's I'm not optimistic. the 1980s anymore. Yeah, right. it's not the uh, the 1980s anymore. You know, the conservatives, I think, in many ways, have, the social conservatives have have lost the culture wars, and and now they seem to be refocusing on the issues where they're strong, which are those economic issues. So I think that, and, and especially you know, you and me and and people our age, like we're not we're not worried about what people are doing in their bedrooms. You know, we're not worried about them exactly. smoking a joint. You know, we're not worried about them doing bong rips with their you know grandpa in their basement. It's just not uh, it's not of our con of none of our concerns. So I do think that that as the millennial generation starts to rise up, people like yourself and myself, or our ideas will become more mainstream. But that's you know, be careful because as soon as our ideas start to go mainstream, you're going to have the loof mentioned running around dancing naked around on stage <laughs> <laughs> trying to stop us so watch out for the okay so real quick last question what do you see as the future for libertarianism the libertarian party and what are you going to do to help progress those ideas all right well i can i can break a little bit of news on your podcast i have everyone get, get ready yes so at the moment i am currently in what we call an exploratory phase for a potential run at the United States Senate seat currently held by Claire McCaskill. 
So it's it, maybe my path in the short term is to try and knock a Democrat out of office. That would be uh, but, great. Yeah, but we're still we're still uh, testing the waters, as they say. So we'll we'll, we'll have more details on that soon. Uh, but um, when it comes to the libertarian movement, I, I, th- I have a lot of hope for the libertarian movement because, you know, Ron Paul started a revolution. There were all these millions of young people. Uh, Young Americans for Liberty, Students for Liberty, a lot of these kids were 15 years old, 16 years old in like 2007, 2008. They're just now starting to become adults, become, you know, captains of industry and and run their own small businesses. And, you know, I'm calling hundreds and hundreds of people over the last few weeks to talk to them about, you know, potentially running for office again. And I hear I hear a lot of very uh, of touching stories about libertarians who are getting active in their local parties and who some are taking over the Republican Party, some are running as libertarians. But I think that if you look at the the movement as a whole, you know, soon our generation is going to come up and they're going to take power positions of power. I mean, even the Republican Party here in my state, I went to a meeting last week and, the, you know, nine out of 10 of them were all libertarians as self mm-hmm. self-identified, even though they were Republicans. So I think that if you, you know, and you know what, Kristen, the the people who opposed me from the nomination process for the Libertarian Party were all old people, all these old fuddy-duddies who did not want me coming in and bringing in this army of young people and having too much fun because, you know, they're still living in the hippy-dippy days of, you know, spitting on soldiers from the <laughs> Vietnam War era and, you know, pushing abortion. And, you know, it's an old, it's the old way of thinking versus the new way of thinking. I think Ron Paul has really created a new generation of activists and you know some of those have gone on to to you know abandon the the philosophy and party and walk away sure but i think that the that the cream is rising to the top you know again seeing people like yourself be successful at fox you know seeing people like Kat, Catherine Timp, for example right. you know getting getting her own show i mean that is a, that is mainstream acceptance. Kennedy, for example, at Fox Business. We're seeing so many leaders like yourself and Kennedy and Kat Timpf making great strides in mainstream media as well as alternative media like Lauren Southern and others. So I'm off, I'm honestly I'm optimistic. Short-term pessimistic perhaps, but long-term optimistic about the future of our country and the liberty movement. Well, you are certainly one of those leaders too, Austin. You ran a phenomenal and extremely impressive presidential campaign. I would love to see you knock McCaskill out of there and be in the Senate representing the great state of Missouri. And I'm honored that you uh, broke that news here on my podcast. (laughs) So uh, good luck with that. Definitely keep us up to date and uh, would love, love, love to see you in the Senate. We need more libertarians in there. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Austin. And can you tell all the listeners out there how to find you online? Sure. Very briefly, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's just AP for Liberty, the number four, AP for Liberty. And of course, Facebook, if you type in Austin Peterson, you'll see me. But Peterson is Danish, so you spell it P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. So Austin Peterson on Facebook and AP for Liberty on Twitter. And thanks a lot for your time, Kristen. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Austin. I'll certainly keep you up to date on his Senate run as I hear more about it, which he broke the news about here on my podcast. And last week on the show, I mentioned that I would be bringing on a big-time liberal for a feisty debate. I had to push that discussion back one week because I really wanted to get Austin on the show. So the debate with the liberal is happening next week. Make sure you don't miss it. We will be discussing feminism, so that will certainly be a fiery, fiery discussion. Um, And I also wanted to, as a little side note at the end of my podcasts, talk about books. I just finished American Lion by John Meacham. 
It's an amazing book. He won the Pulitzer Prize for it. I highly, highly recommend this book if you guys are interested in political and historical nonfiction. It's it's all about Andrew Jackson. It's very dense, but it's also a really fun read, and it was just a delight to, to read this book. So I'm actually looking for a new nonfiction historical book. So if you guys have any... Uh, recommendations, please let me know on Twitter or Facebook. I, I love specifically the 18th century and the French Revolution is fascinating to me. So if you have any suggestions for my next book, let me know. We can do a little book club here on the, uh, on the podcast in the last few minutes of the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening and be sure to check out my Patreon page where I am raising funds to keep this podcast going. I do this because I love it and anything you can give, even if it's like two bucks, three bucks, will be much appreciated and help keep uh, keep this going. Thanks guys and I will talk to you next week. Bye.